Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And if you were not able to listen to the show last week, we started this two-part series with why God wants us in relationship. Why would that be such a big deal to God? And, and we do know that God is a relational God, and I know that you've heard that, and, and you might have even had teachings on that. But what I want you to think about is we do see that in, in the birth and the death and the resurrection of Christ, that he is such a relational being. And he says in John that, you know, there's no greater love than for a man to lay his life down for another. And, and the entire Bible, we know, it really is about relationship. It's how to do it well, what happens if you don't do it, and how God feels about us and how much God wants to reside with us and the effort he put to be with us and that he wants to be with us forever. And, and when you think about that, that struck me one day in my office. I was thinking about myself and sometimes I get on my own nerves and I don't know if that makes sense to you. I don't know if you get on your own nerves, but I really can get on my own nerves sometimes. And I was thinking, oh my gosh. And sometimes I just want to get away from myself. And, and, and I, I had this, this idea that, that God, you know, saved me to be with me for eternity. And when that, that thought struck me that God wants to be with me forever. I mean, what does that say? When somebody wants to be with you forever, what does that say about your worth and your value? I mean, he wants to be with me forever. I don't even want to be with me forever. <laughs> so it was really a very moving moment to think that God wants to be with me forever and that he, he moved heaven and earth, died on the cross of a terrible death so that he could be with me forever. And so when you think about that, you have to understand that if we are made in God's image, we are made as relational beings. And we see that as soon as a baby it is from the womb, the desire to be um, with their mother and the need for a mom, the need for a dad. And it isn't just to get physical needs met. And we've talked on this show about the concept of failure to thrive and how we know the importance of humans and needing to be seen, needing to be touched, needing to be looked at, needing to be encouraged and affirmed and connected. And so relationships are, are paramount for humans in order for them to be high-functioning. The problem is that many times our relationships are tough because relating and intimacy are not always the same thing. And so God wants relationship with us, but he adds to that. He actually wants intimacy with us, which means he wants to know us and he wants us to know him. And so intimacy in a relationship takes it to a whole different level. And it also means that we can get hurt. It's easier if I just relate to the person at the grocery store or the, the person at the restaurant or the driver next to me or my neighbors 
you know, if I'm just relating to people, like we can share the, you know, the last movie we've seen or, or talk about, you know, the last football game or complain about the government or whatever it may be, that, that's relating and that can feel kind of good because it's connecting. But that doesn't really mean I know the person and they know me. So when God talks about relationship, he is wanting intimacy. And when relationships aren't working well, we, we hurt. And we tend to want to shut down and to be, quote, unquote, done with relationships altogether. But since we know that relationships are unavoidable, you know, we are, that's like breathing for humans. We relate to our pets. We even relate to our cars. Some people name their cars. We relate to people on the television that we don't even know. We feel like we know these characters on TV and we're so sad. We, you know, we all like are so sad that Ziva left, you know, NCIS because people connect with these characters. And so we see that relationships are unavoidable. But what we want to understand is that, I'm sorry, that relationships are unavoidable. What is avoidable is intimacy. But when we have relationships without intimacy, we have a void that creates all kinds of hurt and pain. And we see that with people that are craving intimacy, wanting to be known. I see this in my, in my office every day. And so we have people that are in relationships with no intimacy, and those are some of the most painful relationships you could have. So if you haven't been able to listen to the show last week, we talked all about the difference between relating and intimacy and how important understanding that difference is and what we can do to make sure that we go beyond relating to actually having intimacy. So when we look at this idea of intimacy, what we start with is relationship with God, with self, and with others. And how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to others directly affects how I relate to God. Because I learn how to relate from humans first before I learn intimacy and relationship with God. So we all have to learn to relate to ourselves and to others. And as we grow, we learn from our parents and from others how to relate. And so we have what we call an emotional language. And you've heard me refer to this before on other shows. And think about the show, the I Love Lucy show. And Ricky Ricardo's native tongue is Spanish. And so when he gets really stressed out, he starts speaking in Spanish. And Lucy looks at him and says, I don't understand a thing you're saying. And so many times you might experience that in your intimate relationship, that when stress occurs, when hurt occurs, all of a sudden you don't even know who the person is in front of you. You don't understand what they're saying. You don't understand what they mean. You don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. And a lot of that may have to do with the fact that if things are being triggered, if hurt and woundedness is occurring, we many times revert back to the way our family's related. So if I grew up in a family that never yelled and never talked about feelings, never had any passion. Um, everybody walked away and went to separate corners and nobody spoke for three days. If that's my emotional language, then when I get hurt in a relationship, I may resort to that. Or let's say in my family of growing up, people chased each other all over the house until it got resolved or yelled and screamed and, and cried and carried on and stormed out and stormed back in. And if that's my family of origin, if that's the emotional language I grew up with, then maybe that's what I do when intensity starts to occur or hurt starts to happen. And so we learn how to relate to, to other people 
from our family. And so our family dysfunction and childhood experiences determine the degree to which we need to learn new ways of intimacy. So we all learn healthy or unhealthy ways, successful or unsuccessful ways of relating. So we want to really look at what is it that I do when I have high stress? How do I respond? Do I shut down? Do I explode? Do I just freeze on the spot? Do I start talking a lot? Do I start lying? Do I tell stories? Do I start arguing and pointing fingers? What is it that I do when stress in a relationship occurs? Because that's the thing that you want to say, is this increasing my intimacy? Is this increasing this person being able to know me? Or is this decreasing their ability to actually know me? And is the same thing happening to the other person? So is my behavior causing me not to be able to know that other person and them not to be able to know me? So let's look at what intimacy really is. And this is a great, um, just a great definition. It says, this is the joyful union that comes when two people learn together how to give love and how to accept love. So this is a union between two people, and it comes when they learn together how to give love and how to receive or accept love. And so that, that seems like a simple sentence, but when we really look at that, we say, wow, so it takes two people to be willing to do intimacy. See, it can't just be one-sided. And we have to learn it together. And I have to learn how to give that person love in a way that makes sense to them, works for them, resonates with them, is healing, helpful to them. And they have to learn to do that back toward me. They have to learn how to love me in a way that makes sense to me, in a way that I need in a way that is helpful and restorative to me. And then on top of that, we need to learn how to receive it. So that person that I'm learning to love needs to learn how to receive or accept the love that I'm giving them. And I need to learn how to receive and accept the love coming back toward me. And what gets in the way of us giving love and receiving love? What gets in the way of me being humble enough and vulnerable enough to learn who that person is and learn what works for them. Because many times what we find when we are loving someone is the way that might seem natural to us doesn't work for them, somehow doesn't resonate with them. So I have to be humble enough to be willing to learn what works for them. And that may depend on their temperament. Are they an introvert? Are they an extrovert? It may depend on their gender. Are they male? Are they female? It may depend on their age may depend on their culture, may depend on all kinds of unique idiosyncrasies that come with that package. And I have to be willing to be humble and vulnerable enough to say, what, what I think you need, what comes naturally to me, may not be what you need. And I need to not take that personally. And I need to be willing to learn what you need. And I need to be willing to give you what you need, even if it's hard for me or unnatural for me. And then in the, in, it goes the other way for the other person. They need to learn me and be willing to learn me, and I need to be willing and able to receive the love they're giving me. And so we don't want to make it, you know, selfish or self-absorbed. There are many things that people do that are very loving toward me that may not always be exactly what I need, but I am still going to receive it and appreciate it 
and love them for it and thank them for it. So when we are doing intimacy, we want to remember that it's the union that comes when two people learn together how to give love and accept love. So we are coming up on a break. I want you to join me again in the next segment, and we're going to continue with looking at intimacy, and we're going to continue looking at what is dysfunctional love. And if you can't listen to this show in its entirety, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that is C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. So glad to have you with me today. And we are talking about why God wants us in relationship. And what is the deal about that? Because relationships can be difficult, and they can be hurtful, and they can be painful. They can also be awesome. And we would certainly prefer the latter more often than not. And that requires effort, requires work, but it also may require some knowledge So today I'm hoping that this kind of gives you just some different insight and different ways of of learning and and thinking about relationship. And in the last segment, we were talking about the difference between relating and intimacy. And relating is more narrative. It's more sharing information. Um, You know, when you're relating to somebody, you can disagree and it may not hurt that badly. Intimacy, though, is knowing someone and being known by them. And so when we say know somebody, I want you to think about how you feel maybe about your pet. People really know their pets. And so when we think about really knowing someone and being known by somebody, that, that's a very a vulnerable position. Because the more you know me, the more you may not like me. Or the more, more you know me, the more you may judge me. And so if I can keep you from really knowing me, I might get this false sense of safety. And what happens, though, is I increase my loneliness. And so it's, it's this catch-22. It's, it's this painful process of being willing to be vulnerable, to let somebody know you and recognize that the more they know you, the more they probably can hurt you. But usually, the more they know you, the more they also can love you. And so the point of letting yourself be known by someone, opening yourself up, is so that you can have that intimacy that is so restorative, that is what God made humans to have and to need, and which is what God wants to have with us as well. So when we are willing to let intimacy happen, that means that I'm also going to make sure that I do it slowly, that I do it with some forethought, that I pace myself. Because if I don't, I may open up too much, and find out that the person might not be as safe as I need them to be. Now, that doesn't mean it can't be corrected. We all, do, we all do corrections. We all learn how to do love better. And part of being a safe person is recognizing when you're not doing it right and fixing it. Being a safe person does not mean being a perfect person. So let's look at the difference between 
intimacy, and dysfunctional love. And so dysfunctional love is love out of balance. It's loving the other too much and loving the self too little or vice versa. So I either love myself too much, which is we know a selfish love and that's not really a healthy love, which makes me unable to love other people, which means I'm probably somewhat immature and self-absorbed. And we know we don't want to be that person. So I either love myself too much and I love you too little, or I love you too much and love myself too little. Either way, we have lots of feelings of love, but not a healthy construct for love. That means we don't have a healthy way to do that or a paradigm or a template. And so when we work on having healthy love, we start with relating. So when I relate with somebody, that's the precursor to intimacy. I see if I want to take it farther. And you see, God is a perfect example of relating to and loving himself and others. And so he gives us this great example of how to do that. Because when we are really wanting intimacy, and this is why intimacy cannot be rushed. Relating, we can relate to a lot of people and it can feel really good, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have intimacy. So intimacy or intimate is what we would say is most private or personal. It's very close. It's very familiar. It's deep. It's thorough. There's closeness. There's familiarity. There's confidence. It's a confidence. I share confidences with that person. I trust that person. An intimate, or someone I would say is my intimate friend, might be a constant companion, a close friend. So there's a lot of personal information. There's a lot of personal time that is spent. It may, we may say it's informal or it's very familiar. There's not a whole lot of reserve. There's privacy. And so with intimacy, we have a lot of privacy that goes on with being intimate. And we need to have privacy in order to make a relationship safe. And I want you to think about how much privacy you have with God. And God is so good about keeping our secrets, isn't he? And it's so amazing to be in relationship with a God that knows everything about you. God knows everything about me. He still loves me, and he still wants to be close to me. And even when he's super close to me because he lives inside of me, I don't feel controlled by him. I don't feel invaded by him. I don't get that claustrophobic feeling with him. Even though he's there all the time and knows everything about me. So we have a great example of God and how God loves. And so when we do relationship, we ask ourselves how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to others. And we want to do the way that God does this. And so we all, when we talked about that, we all have learned to relate in our family of origins. And that's a lot of where we get that template from. So if we don't like the way our family's related, and how they taught us to relate, and how they taught us intimacy. Then we really want to take a template from God, or from someone you respect, someone you admire. You may want to learn that in in therapy. Psychotherapy is a great way to learn how to do intimacy and how to do it well. And so when we're asking ourselves, if I start with my relationship with God first, and learning how to relate, what inhibits the opportunity for positive relationship or intimacy. 
So what inhibits that ability for me to relate to God and to others? Well, abuse or past experiences. These oftentimes inhibit my ability to relate and have intimacy with others. If I have sexual abuse in my past, if I have emotional abuse, if I have a traumatic experience, many times the emotional reverberation of those experiences create walls and barriers for intimacy in the future or in the present. So if I had sexual abuse in my past, I may have a very difficult time trusting people. And so that inhibits my ability to be intimate and to be close. So abuse and past experiences will inhibit that opportunity for positive relating and intimacy. What else does? Well, dishonesty. And like I said previously, if I have abuse in my past, I may have trust issues, which, which makes it difficult for me to be honest with someone. So if I can't be honest in my relationship with someone, I will have a very difficult time with intimacy. And I will have a very difficult time having a positive relationship. So we're going into our next, um, our next break. This is, um, we're right at the half hour. And so I want to encourage you to join me again in the next segment. We're going to continue on what inhibits the opportunity for positive and healthy relationships. And you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And that's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Also, I have a Facebook page that's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., that's INC for Incorporated. You can go there for lots of positive, encouraging quotes and, and where I'm speaking or singing next. And I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to talking to you in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt, 1360 KPXQ. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. So glad that you are with me today. And we are talking about healthy relationships. We are talking about why would God want us in relationship? And a lot of that really truly has to do with being made in the image of God. And God is a relational God. And so people that don't have relationships that are healthy or thriving, that, that have intimacy and that are positive functioning relationships always have higher levels of stress and have higher levels of physical complications, greater um, periods of loneliness, depression, anxiety, all kinds of things come in and happen when we are not having the relationships that we are needing because God designed us that way. And so my prayer is that this show will help you really understand the dynamics of relationships. So even if you are with unhealthy people, at least your side of the street will be healthy. And you will be relating in a healthy way. And you will have some intimacy as you also know yourself, know your God, and begin to know others. So we left off this last segment with what inhibits the opportunity for positive relating and for intimacy. And the first two we talked about were abuse, past experiences, and dishonesty. And those will always get in the way of a positive, thriving relationship family of origin, those unresolved issues that came from the way that I was raised. So was I raised in a pessimistic, in a perfectionistic home? Was I raised in an alcoholic home or a home that had uh, addictions? Did I come from a family that is, is, um, has been divorced? 
do I come from a family that, no, that my parents were never married? And so I wasn't always sure of, of how safe or how, how um, secure that family was. Did I come from a family that struggled a lot, that fought a lot, um, didn't know how to do intimacy? And so a lot of those family of origin issues directly affect my ability to relate to you. Because like we said previously, our family of origin is who gave us that emotional language, that relational language as to how I just naturally relate to people and the subconscious assumptions and perceptions and implications and and what I um, just anticipate or predict will happen when I'm in relationship with someone. And if you've noticed that when you're with someone, you may have, have been in an interaction with them and you came to find they made a very big assumption about you and you think to yourself, why did they assume that about me? That's not me or that's not what was happening or that's not what I want. And as you get to know them, you start to find out that that's always what happened in their family of origin. Just always worked out that way. So they just assumed that that's what would happen. And so we see how much our family can affect the way that we relate. And in the future, we're going to do a show all on family of origin. So I'll be letting you know when that show is coming. So what else gets in the way or inhibits that opportunity for positive relating? Well, our value, self-worth issues. How do I feel about me? How do I view me? What's my relationship like with myself? Do I hate myself? Am I disgusted with myself? Am I critical of myself? Am I afraid of myself? Do I not want to deal with myself? All these things directly affect my ability to relate with you in a healthy way and to actually have intimacy with you. So one of the things we really have to work on is me. How do I feel about me? Because how I feel about me will directly affect how you feel about me and how I feel about you. So we need to also understand our gender. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? How does that affect my relationships? How does that affect the way that I feel, the way I think, the way I relate, the way I talk, the expectations I have, the needs that I have? I need to know my temperament. Am I an introverted person, an extroverted person? Do I like to have a really planned, orderly life, or do I like to be super spontaneous? Am I really interested in the facts and literal facts, or do I want to look at the big picture and the world of ideas? So I really want to understand my own temperament and personality and gender. It directly affects how I relate to you and the level of intimacy that we can have. And so what if I had poor role modeling? Well, poor role modeling leads to some bonding and attachment issues. How attached can I be to you? How vulnerable can I be to you? If I had poor role modeling, maybe I had the role modeling I had was was parents that had addictions. Did they have addictions? Did they have self-medicating behaviors? Maybe I have some abandonment and some trust issues. Maybe there was some neglect. So the way that I have been raised, the role modeling that I received is going to directly affect my expectation of the people I'm in relationship with and the way that I parent children or my desire to even have them. So what else affects my relating and intimacy? Well, like we said, certainly addictions. Because addictions mean I can't identify my feelings and I don't know how to deal with my feelings. I don't necessarily know what's real. 
So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We have one more segment to go. Join me again or visit my Facebook and my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You're listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. So glad that you are here with me today. And we are talking about relationships, why God wants us in relationship, and the difference between relating and intimacy, and what gets in the way of our ability to move relating to intimacy, to have more than just relating, more than just sharing information and the latest uh, event I went to, and my vacation aspirations, to really moving it to intimacy, which means that you actually know me, and I actually know you. And how do we handle that? And what gets in the way of really having positive relating and intimacy? And we talked prior to, um, prior to this, this segment on the difference between relating and intimacy and what intimacy really is. And so let's talk a little bit again about intimacy. If you're just joining in, we, were, we defined intimacy as two people. It's the joyful union of two people together learning how to give love and receive love. To give it and to receive it. Which means that if I'm going to give good love to you, love that really makes sense to you, love that really heals you, restores you, encourages you, inspires you, then I'm going to need to really know you. And if you're going to be able to love me well, then you're going to have to really know me. Which means that we have to look at the things that inhibit the ability to have that intimacy. And so we were talking in the last segment that number one inhibitor is abuse, past experiences. We have dishonesty, our family of origin, the way we learn to relate, the role modeling that we had how I feel about me, self-worth, my own self-value, directly affects how I relate to you and how much intimacy we can have. Addictions. Do I have addictions in my life? Was I, was I raised with a family that had addictions? Poor communication skills. Do I not know how to share my feelings? Do I not know what I'm feeling so that I can't even share that feeling? Do I know how to be assertive in asking for what I need? Do I know how to then set boundaries? And boundaries directly affects how positive the relationship is and how much intimacy we can have. If we don't have good boundaries, we don't have a safe relationship. If we don't have a safe relationship, we can't have intimacy that's very effective. So what do we do? When it comes to doing relationships well, having that intimacy that we want, what do we do? Well, We take a risk. We take a risk. I can't tell you how many times a day I say to my clients, relationships are a risk. Every person is a gamble. And so what we want to weigh and measure is, is this a good risk? Is this a good gamble? Is this a wise gamble? But every relationship is a gamble because it's humans. We're dealing with humans. We're dealing with mistake-making people. And what's amazing is that God is willing to take a risk on us. He's willing to gamble on humans. And some he's going to lose. 
but he keeps taking the risk. And so what's most important for us is that we are willing to take the risk. And when we take a risk, we want to make sure as best as we can that it is a good risk. So I first need to acknowledge that I desire relationship. I need to admit that to myself. I need to stop saying to myself, I don't do relationships anymore. I'm done with relationships. I need to remind myself that humanly that's not possible unless I guess you're the Unabomber and that didn't work out very well for him. So we want to remind ourselves that relationships are imperative, that this is what humans do and this is what humans need. So I'm taking the risk and I acknowledge that I want one, that I want relationship. And I acknowledge to the person I'm in relationship with, I want relationship with you. I want intimacy with you and I want to put the work into doing it. And so when we do, when we acknowledge that, we then have to deal with the different, with the issue of trust. And I want to make this very clear today. This is a very important concept. There is a big difference between being perfect and being trustworthy. Now, I am a very trustworthy person, but I'm not a perfect person, which means I make mistakes in my relationship. But the reason I'm a safe person, I'm a trustworthy person, is because I care when I mess up. And I am humble enough to fix it, to ask for forgiveness, and I am willing to learn so that I don't repeat it. That makes me a good risk in relationship. Not the fact that I'm perfect. Because we have a perfect God and we have people that won't even risk on God. So it's imperative that we recognize the difference between a trustworthy person and a perfect person. And a trustworthy person can be trusted They are worthy of trusting, even if they're not perfect. Because, see, this is an ongoing issue. This is trial and error. As I learn to do relationship with my husband, it's trial and error. But he trusts me. I'm worthy of being trusted, so I learn. And the better I learn, the better our relationship is. And he does that for me as well. I do that with my clients. I have to apologize if I mess up, if I don't do something right. I'm always willing to apologize and to fix it because I'm wanting to instill trust in the relationship that gives some latitude for the imperfection of being human. That means that we have the resiliency to handle the fact that people in our lives are going to make mistakes. And that doesn't mean we can't trust them. I also then, secondly, if I'm going to really take that risk, I have to communicate. I have to communicate my desires my hopes, my dreams, my fears, my hurts, wrongdoings, insecurities, etc. So I need to be willing to communicate. I, need to, I, I can't be that person that you have to drag everything out of. I can't be that person that you have to set it up perfectly so that I actually will talk to you. Uh, if I'm taking the risk, then I need to show up and I need to really suit up and I need to be willing to take some of the hits that come with trying to communicate. And sometimes the communication doesn't always go well, but I need to continue trying, working at it, and learning how to do it better. So when we think about communication, there's an importance of honesty. And we need to learn how to be honest and to do it in a loving way. There is no such thing as brutal honesty. That's just abuse. So we need to also understand that honesty is also an issue of timeliness. And I need to have wisdom as to timing. I am very thankful 
that God does not tell me the truth and isn't completely 100% honest with me all in one shot. Because I probably wouldn't want to get out of bed in the morning if he told me everything about myself and if I saw myself exactly the way that I was. I'm glad that God uses timing when he's honest with me. And that I know that his honesty is always so that I have freedom. He gives me truth to set me free. He doesn't give me truth about myself to put me in bondage. So we need to know that when we're telling each other the truth, we want to do it in a way that actually sets them free, not binds them up. So we want to practice the issue of respect. I want to hold that person in high esteem, even if they're not acting in an admirable way. I hold them in high esteem because they're a human and they're valuable and God loves them. God respects me and he holds me in high esteem and it has nothing to do with my behavior. I'm thankful it has nothing to do with my behavior because I have let God down and he's very quick to forgive me and to hold me with high regard. So we want to make sure that we are doing this in our relationship. And we want to make sure that we are practicing acceptance. Because what we want to say to ourselves is, I accept all kinds of things I don't agree with. I accept things I don't like. That doesn't mean I won't attempt to change them. But when I am accepting another person, I really truly need to accept who they are. Now, if they are unwilling to work on things, if they're an abusive person, if, if they have whatever unresolved issues they're not willing to work on, then I can accept that. And in accepting who that person is, it may mean that I can't have intimacy with them. But the more intimacy that I want to have with someone, the more I need to practice acceptance. And I really need to let that person be God's problem. So I need to accept my clients 100% unconditionally. That doesn't mean I agree with everything they do. It doesn't mean I approve of everything they do. Because acceptance is part of creating safety. And if I feel like a part of me is unacceptable to you and that you are then going to withhold yourself from me and you are going to judge me for that piece that I'm working on, we can't have intimacy if that's what happens. So we need to practice acceptance with grace, which doesn't mean we have to change our value system. And this is a very adult concept because this is more in the area of gray. So that doesn't mean that we make morality a gray issue, but it does mean that we're dealing with humans. They're always a work in process. So we need to really practice meeting needs. So it's important that I understand and identify the needs you have and identify the needs I have. So when I'm in relationship with God, he's very good at identifying my needs and he's very good at meeting them. Now, he doesn't always meet them the way that I would like them to be met, I sometimes have opinions on that, but I do ultimately know that God knows what I need and the best way for me to have them met. So when I'm in relationship with myself, I need to know what I need. If I don't know what I need, it makes it very difficult for that person that's trying to be in relationship with me to meet needs. And I will also then have a tendency to want the person I'm in relationship with to meet the needs I'm supposed to be meeting. So as an adult, There are many needs that I have that are my responsibility. And the needs that I have that come from being in relationship with somebody are different. And I need to be able to identify those. And I need to be able to know what the needs of the other person has. 
and whether or not I can meet them, will meet them, want to meet them, or should meet them. So it's important that when we talk about needs, we identify what is my responsibility and what I am expecting you to meet in the relationship. And so we have five areas when we identify needs. We have physical needs, we have emotional needs, we have intellectual needs, we have social needs, and we have spiritual needs. And when we have an intimate relationship, such such like a marriage, we need a majority of those needs to be being met. Now, they can't all be met exactly and completely, but when we have a thriving relationship with someone, we have each of those areas are having some of those needs met at any given time. So we really want to identify when it comes to relationship with others, with God, with ourself, that we really know ourselves. And the best way for us to know ourselves is to know God. The more I know God, the better he reveals me to me. The better I know me, the better I'm able to help you understand me, so you can love me well if you, cho- if you so choose. The better I know me, the better I'm able to know you. The better I know me, the better I am able to know if you're well-suited for me. And the more confident I will be to say no. Or the more confident I will be to say yes to a relationship. So we really want to practice this idea of knowing the difference between dysfunctional love and intimacy, relating and intimacy, and really understanding that God has hardwired us for relationship. He wants us in relationship. We need to be in relationship. And I encourage you to be in relationship and to do whatever you need to do to make your relationships work. And I want to encourage you more than anything today to work on that relationship with yourself. Are you practicing positive regard? Are you doing good self-care? Are you practicing acceptance of yourself and unconditional love of yourself? And are you seeking that relationship with God? So thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I hope this was helpful. You can also uh, listen to the show in its entirety on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Please like my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. And have a great week. ...and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.